Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Silver Screens and Politics. I'm your host, Brett Stewart, and I am joined, as always, by my, by my good friend and cohort, Dominic Chikoki. How you doing? Good, Elmer Fudd. How are you? I'm doing good. I Elmer Fudded there. It's been a really long day. I understand. I, I understand. watched this movie, Dominic. You watched two movies today. I watched two movies today. I watched this, and I watched Spirited Away for Geek Cinema Society. And I actually liked this movie more. Which is hard to believe. Because I hate this movie. And because everyone loves Spirited Away. Everybody lo- I You told me that I have no heart. Like, and I'm not my the co-host I'm, told me I'm dead inside. I'm not the biggest fan of the movie, but like it's a good movie. It's like the best Alice in Wonderland movie there is outside of Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch? I hate Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> Sucker Punch? The lobotomy movie? Yes. The movie's awful. Yes. Okay, but do you know what else is awful, Dominic? Vietnam. Vietnam and virtual JFK. That is the film that we are watching this week for Silver Screens and Politics. Our first true documentary. Our first true documentary, I guess. Can you explain to our listeners what this movie is and why we watched it? Because I still don't really know. (laughs) All right, so this is a little complicated. So theoretically, this movie is about... What if JFK wasn't assassinated and he had to deal with Vietnam? Now, since when I was putting this list together, I wanted some similarities and some like themes. I decided, you know, we have two George Bush movies. Why not two JFK movies? There's a lot of JFK movies. With neither of them being JFK. Very true. <laughs> because we already saw W, so, you know. Yeah, we don't and, need to do Oliver Stone times two. And because we had, the, we had like the one that was like a, a fictional movie and then we had like the documentary-ish other movie. Now, right. Death of a President was a fictional assassination. And this one, technically, is kind of a... About, not, it's, not, it's not about the assassination, but, like, still. <laughs> this movie doesn't really know what it's about. <laughs> okay, so, what this movie really is about is just um, the director and one of the writers of the book that this is somehow based on. I didn't know that until I actually saw the movie and they talked about it. They're just laying out the facts of, okay, would Kennedy go to Vietnam and fight the war? And it spends about most of its running time of 80 minutes, like setting up the building blocks to support their thesis and without stating really the thesis or at least answering the thesis. Like they go through like seven episodes of like Kennedy dealing with international crises and then in like the shortest paragraph of what would be the equivocal like college freshman essay, it's just three lines being like, yeah, Kennedy might not have gone to Vietnam, period. Moving on to bashing Lyndon Johnson. <laughs> yes. This movie does a lot of that. Like the last 20 minutes are just about Lyndon B. Johnson and like how bad he was and how he went to Vietnam and killed children and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, Which, just you know, so- it's not cool, but like that's not what this movie was about. No, it's not what it's supposed to be about. So just to give our listeners a brief synopsis from the filmmakers, no less. In an era of nuclear confrontation, John F. Kennedy attempted to prevent war six times during his short tenure as president. Sorry, six, not seven. Six, but he didn't face, he didn't live to face a seventh. Well, technically, because he already had military advisors in Vietnam, as the movie pointed out. So he had, he had sent They're not foundation. perfect. I'm tr- <laughs> this is their synopsis, Tom. <laughs> Even though their movie directly contradicts their own synopsis, we're going to persevere through. He went to Vietnam, but he didn't go to Vietnam. Right. 
Uh, Virtual JFK, Vietnam if Kennedy had lived, takes up one of America's controversial what-if scenarios, examining the question, would the U.S. have escalated the war in Vietnam if Kennedy was not assassinated in 1963? With insight, the film traces JFK's presidency, a thousand-day term plagued with tense political standoffs through rare and previously unseen archival footage offering nuanced accounts of the former president's political decisions and by extension his probable response to the escalating conflict in vietnam featuring unprecedented access into the leadership style of one of the nation's most important leaders virtual jfk sheds new light on the man who helped avoid war in six crises and did not live to save america from the devastating war in vietnam how unprecedented oh (laughs) so brett can you give us the movie's explanation of what virtual history is, or virtual JFK, if you will? So they take a shot at, like, historians at the beginning of the movie, because keep in mind, this movie only has one interview. Yeah, there's only one interview. It's one of the writer, one of the three writers of the book, the companion piece. Right. Only one writer. And he narrates the entire movie. He's the only person on screen that's not JFK or, like, somebody in that period. And his expertise is never made clear. <laughs> uh, he's a PhD, so there's that. It's unclear what that PhD is in, but he's a thing. And uh, in any case, what was your original question? <laughs> oh, I, I, before we get to that, I will say that the movie makes a painstakingly um, an attempt to point out that Brown University and the Watson Institute for International Studies helped sponsor this movie but this film, the film's views do not reflect theirs. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but, but my my question was: Can you explain what their um, definition of virtual history is in oh, virtual correct. JFK? Yeah. So again, at the beginning of the movie, this one guy starts taking shots at other historians, or historians, assuming he might actually be one, and he's like, "Yeah, they call it counterfactual." But that kind of has potentially as a negative connotation. We call it virtual. But what is it? It is like an alternate analysis of what would have happened. So what if? It's a what if. Yeah, it's just a what if. Which they never do. <laughs> Which was why we watched the movie to be like, okay, cool. Interesting premise. Which is right to ponder the idea of what JFK would have done had he not been shot in November of 63. And that never happens in this movie. The movie starts out basically at the beginning of his term and basically is just a documentary. It's just a documentary about the political entanglements of JFK, more specifically in relation to the Cold War. Yeah, Cuber and um Cuber. Bay of Pigs. And Bay of Pigs. Stuff. Yeah. And Can then we- like it's just like there's the only takeaway I got from this movie Russia, Berlin Wall, all that stuff. Exactly. The only takeaway I got from this movie that I didn't previously have or didn't have in the way I did after watching this film is nothing to do with whether or not what he would have done if he had lived. It's just he was so goddamn cool, Dom. Because he would get on up there on the press pundit and they would ask him a question that was a very legitimate one. And he would be like, hey, screw you. I'm not going to give you an answer. He, he, might, he, he said stuff like, oh, the answer might come out eventually, but I'm not going to say you right now. Yeah, he's like certain parties might be able to get, I don't know why he's a southern man. My, <laughs> we both do this. Hand me my tea, Lyndon. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah he gets up he gets up in, in the press pool and has the most abruptly like not even abrupt he is he very straightforward tells the reporters 
that he has no interest in giving them any sort of facts. And he, but at the same time, he is going to give them the facts someday. And then the private phone calls that they had recorded, which were actually quite interesting, and I had yeah. never heard those before. So maybe that's what they're talking about when they said previously unseen archival footage. Uh, those are fascinating. It's basically him yelling at people for for messing up the press image that he's trying to build. Right. And how they kept pushing him to go to war and do these things. And he's like, no. Right. No. I, I'm trying to find one of my notes because I really wanted to talk about what I felt was the um, most weirdest moment of the film. I think it was this film. Uh, okay. Nice. Was, am I am I crazy? Or did they like do the thing where like they rewind all the footage and like try to go back in history kind of like in the ending <laughs> i don't know what you're talking like, about i swear there was a sequence where they like rewind the Sapruder film what this and was the last movie no it's about the Sapruder film they didn't they didn't like rewind it did they yeah by saying they rewinded Sapruder film yeah and they like went like backwards and through all that footage yeah oh boy damn it dominic you brought the wrong movie no no, no it's here it's here it's here it's here it's oh, here okay yeah, montage of footage going backwards, even the Zapruder film. Wow. Okay. Okay. Maybe at that point, the movie in the last like minute or two, I had just completely clocked out. No, this was like this is like right before Johnson comes into the th- into the frame. Then maybe halfway through the movie, I just completely clocked out. The last twenty minutes. So let's talk a bit, a little bit about those last twenty minutes, though, because in seriousness, you're not entirely wrong when you say it's basically just firing shots across the bow at Linden. Uh, essentially, the film. <laughs> Again, like to equate this to a research paper, it's like five pages of like building evidence about okay, Kennedy did this and this and this, and based on this evidence, we would assume blank. But they we would assume blank is three lines, and then it goes off into a tangent on Johnson <laughs> for the rest of the paper. It does not come back full circle. Oh yeah, it's like a failing grade paper. It is. This is the kind of paper you would get a D or like a C minus on. This is like they'd hand it back and say nicely written, totally not the prompt. Like, this is, like, the AP college freshman who's like, yeah, it's okay, AP classes, I got this. And then he, like... Ignores the prompt entirely. Yeah, he goes overboard and, like, just talks about something that's barely related. Because it's something he actually knows and doesn't want to delve into whatever the prompt is. Right, because he doesn't know. Yeah. So, the prompt of, you know, exploring what JFK wouldn't have... would have done had he not died, you would think that... Uh, what I thought, and maybe you thought this as well... Is that like the 40, 50 minute point in the movie when it switches after he dies? I thought it was then going to go into, here's what might have happened if he hadn't died. Oh, yeah, totally. But instead, it just goes right in the Linden. Yeah, I was like, I was expecting, okay, I could tolerate, you know, 40, 50 minutes of build up. Fine. It's like half the movie. Yeah. But the other half of the movie then should be what Vietnam would be like if Kennedy had lived. Right. The title of the movie. <laughs> I know. It's actually the legitimate title. Oh, my God. And instead, the movie spends a lot of time basically like going like, this is what would have happened. Uh, actually, no, it doesn't do that. No, it, no, okay. Not only does it take pot shots at Johnson, it takes extreme pot shots at Humphrey, too. It does. It paints Humphrey as like this extremist left-wing liberal. Yeah. And like how Johnson was alienating him from everything, even though he was vice president because he said something once. Right. And there's, there's the one quote from Lyndon's wife. 
where she's like, he just goes, he goes to bed and he can't sleep. He's drinking too much. He's throwing up. I think he's, he's throwing up, and uh, and he'll he'll go to bed for a couple hours, wake up, go down the hall. And this is actually a really sad quote, but you can tell they only included it to make him look bad. Right. Um, and then and then he goes down to the secret service officer and asks, "How many boys have we lost since I went to bed?" And like, and here's the thing, um, they do say in this movie. I, we should give them credit in the fact that they do say that this wasn't necessarily Lyndon's fault. So I don't think it was necessarily anti, you know, B. Johnson. I think no. it was just, it just spent a lot of time focusing on him dealing with a shitty situation in any way a human kind of probably would have. Oh, I, 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 I looked at my notes and found what they were shitting on Humphrey about. What was that? Humphrey was basically like, we can't really fight in Vietnam because the communist ideology is working for them and we're not helping. Right. I remember that. And because he said communism was working, that freaked everybody out, apparently. Yeah, right. And there's also a point in this movie when they're talking about the domino effect and they say like, and Kennedy very likely believed in it as well. Like he very likely did believe that this was a legitimate issue that he did need to prevent from happening. He did not... Uh, he couldn't let Vietnam go red. Obviously, that's kind of bullshit. <laughs> We've learned that. Uh, twenty twenty hindsight and uh, twenty twenty vision is hindsight. Very true, Brett. It's very wise. Very true. <laughs> it's very wise. Uh, so the movie doesn't do at all what its title specifically says it's going to do. Some of the archival footage is kind of cool, I guess. I like to see behind the scenes with JFK, and it's always interesting to learn about Lyndon. But then the end of the movie, there's this like there's a screen with text on it, and they're like, "X amount of troops died in Vietnam." Hashtag thanks Lyndon B. Johnson, and it doesn't, it doesn't actually say that, but it kind of does, doesn't it, it? It does. I will say one thing that was interesting that they talked about a little bit was like they were trying to talk about American privilege and like how American excellence was like fighting against the Vietnamese people and like how because of that those people were dying when really it wasn't our war to fight. That was kind of what they were getting at, right? That's kind of what I got out of it. Yeah, kind of. Because Uh, we're American. It's certainly an anti-Vietnam film, right? Is that fair to say? Yeah. So the the screen grabs at the end of the movie, I am now in the movie because you know how Amazon, when you rent a movie on Amazon, it gives you uh, 40, no, it gives you 24 hours to watch the movie from the time you start watching it. Okay. Uh, on this specific movie, I've never seen this before, they give you three days. And keep in mind, it's a dollar cheaper than all other rentals. They, they're just assuming you're not going to be able to do this in 24 hours. They they really want you to watch it, so they're giving you time. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's so, like if they, had picked, if they had picked up Bystander there, they'd probably do the same thing. That's true. Oh, so, one other thing. I want to just, because we talked about Cuber, I want to talk about how Kennedy pronounces Laos. Yeah. Laos. Yeah. <laughs> Is that Brooklyn accent? Laos. Laos. Oh, yeah. Not a, well, not a Brooklyn accent. It's just like pronouncing a, it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like Cuba, okay. Laos. Like, like Das. Das. No. Uh, the end of the movie on the screen, it says, in the American war in Vietnam over... Uh, wait, that's not grammatically... Okay, whatever. In the American war in Vietnam, oh, over 58,000 about- Americans and 2 million Vietnamese were killed. North and South Vietnam, 
were nearly destroyed as functioning societies, and American society was torn asunder over issues related to the war. The majority of the total U.S. and Vietnamese casualties took place after Lyndon B. Johnson's presidency, which in my opinion is a really stupidly obvious point to make, because of course they did. The president because had died. We didn't really go to war full scale until Johnson. Exactly. It was. It's a really dumb point to make, because and then, and then it goes to a screen grab of an anonymous quote, because why the hell not? Uh, every time history repeats itself, the price of the lesson goes up. Now, every time history repeats itself, a leader dies. <laughs> now, here's here's my, here's my problem. You can't. That quote is so like that quote throws numbers at you and then says, and all of that happened under Lyndon. Well, well, yeah, yes, but like that's reaching beyond the stars at this point. Oh, absolutely. That, I mean, that's it's like it's like the problem I have with bystander theory, where all everything is so generically just there. The dialogue is all, nothing really related to the plot. <laughs> you're telling it's trying, and you can tell it's trying to be really profound. Whenever yeah. you have an anonymous quote and your movie on a black screen, you're trying to be really profound. But like, and you think about it, Medal of Honor video games also had those, and so it's kind of like diminished in value over the years. <laughs> Nothing against Medal of Honor, but they made extensive use of those quotes on like loading screens and when you died. <laughs> I love it. So like <laughs> every single time you die in Medal of Honor, every time history repeats itself, the price of the lesson goes up. I'm sure that's there somewhere. Oh, it has to be, right? That, that's the kind of stuff they would talk about. <laughs> yeah. There was one kind of cool segment in this movie I liked when it talked about how when it was in the beginning of the movie and they were discussing the ideas of uh, of alternate history and like what if cleopatra's nose had been shorter oh, yeah because it, she was who was it uh mark anthony yeah mark anthony was attracted to her nose uh-huh and that that without that the entire roman society and culture and the fall of rome and then moving out throughout western societies everything would have been different all based on Cleopatra's nose. But that, that's that's also something that can be said about pretty much anything, right? You could say, like, if Hitler didn't fail out of art school, what would have happened, right? Like, that, you could use that for pretty much anything. Or if Donald Trump had gone to prison earlier. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> that's Dominic standing on the side of the boat. Rare guns are flying. Just shouting into the water. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. The Donald Trump shark is just circling the boat. Okay, speaking of the um, title cards, because you said the title card was grammatically incorrect. Yes, there's a comma where it shouldn't be. <laughs> Let's talk about the beginning title card, one of the beginning title cards, where yes. it talks about the book and how there were three authors, James G. Blight, Janet M. Lang, and David A. Welch. James Blight is the only man, only interviewee in this whole thing, hosting and everything. But in that title card where they introduce the authors... Uh, Miss Janet Lang, her um, J and Janet is lowercase. Which, oh yeah, which is just very. Like, I love it. I oh, oh, it's beautiful. Uh, the following film is the film companion. I'm glad the following film is the film companion, and not the following <laughs> film is not a film companion. They really did not go over this with a proofwriter. No, <laughs> the following film is the film companion to the book Virtual JFK. If Vietnam, if Kennedy had lived, by James G. Blight, Janet M. Lang, Janet Lowercase, and David A. Welch. But they corrected Janet in like the credits and everything else. Yeah, it's just later that one on, instance. correct. In the literally the first frame of the movie. 
The views expressed in this film do not reflect the views of Brown University, the Watson Institute, International Studies, or any sponsors or supporters of the production. Now, I'm pretty sure Blight works for Watson. So, sure. At the time, not? he did, at least. Why not? Can we talk about this, like, this, this, the website? I want to talk about the website. Okay, go on. So, the Virtual JFK website, which is virtualjfk.com, is a really poorly designed website. And here's my, here's my beef with it. My beef with the website is that you go to it and it has a gallery that has like two photos in it. It has two. bios for people that it's not entirely clear what their job was in the, in the film. Tell us about one. Okay. How about um, consultant? Pamela Hogan is a series producer at Wide Angle, a production company of WNET that airs from July through September on PBS Nations w- Nations Wide. Oh God, they really need it. They on the <laughs> website too. Nations Wide. I mean, I like PBS. They're not on like... our side. Okay, uh, Wide Angle the is the only program exclusively dedicated to international current affairs documentaries. Why is this happening? Why they they have a web designer on here? They listed their web designer, and it's a bad website. So you click on the book page. It has the book, and you can buy the book. And one of my favorite things about them trying to sell you this stuff is that the hardback of this book is $46, okay? Okay. A little bit pricey for the hardback of a book. Okay. The DVD is $19.50. Uh, the theatrical poster signed by the director is $45. And here's where things get weird, Dominic. This is where the numbers just don't add up. <laughs> With the DVDs, if you buy one DVD, you get ni- it's 19.50. If you okay. buy two DVDs, it's 37. And if you buy three DVDs, it's 52. So now correct me if I'm wrong, they're giving a very slight discount every time you buy more. Yes, but you're not going to go and make the 63 thing? Like that'd be the obvious way to do it. I'm pulling out a calculator there because has, I'm a there has to be like a, major and I'm bad at math. There has to be a 63 package somewhere. I'm, <laughs> I'm using a calculator. Listeners. Like, can we get the book, DVD, and poster for $63 and get it shipped to us in November? <laughs> I hold, okay, so 37 minus... <laughs> I'm a journalism mate. Uh, seven, okay, so the difference there is 17... $17.50. So you're saving $2 by buying three DVDs. Okay? But now, so here's my here's, here's my beef, Dom. This okay. is where things get really dicey. Okay. <laughs> is that you save money when you buy... Oh, wait. No, I didn't do the other one. 52. Oh, okay. And then if you buy a third DVD, it's only $15 so, for the third DVD. So every single time it goes down. But if you buy a theatrical poster signed by the director, if you would ever want that, God knows why then it's entirely unclear why this... <laughs> I'm so frustrated. Okay. Okay. Hear me out. This is going somewhere, I promise. This is his own conspiracy theory. One poster is $45, okay? Okay. Two posters is $80. So there's no discount. It's yes, there dis- is. Well, oh yeah, you're right. There is a discount. <laughs> Never it's mind. A $10 it's a $10 discount. discount. Okay. So on the... <laughs> It's going way too far. So on the DVDs, there's a progressive discount. All right. Okay. You, you, yeah. It's, first DVD is nineteen fifty. Seven. Second DVD is seventeen fifty, and then third DVD is fifteen. That really doesn't make any. No, there's a progressive discount. But you get to this one, and it goes 
45 to 80 okay so okay. that's a what is that a ten dollar discount yeah but then you go from 80 to 110 that's also a ten dollar discount yes so that one's not progressive and the other one is it's, wait, it's, wait, wait, no. Wait, Maybe, wait, 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 wait. Wait, no, I think it is. I think it is progressive because one poster is 45. 45 and then 35 and then 30. Okay. So actually this is entirely right and I just spent five minutes on our show riffing no, about no, no, how no, I no. can't do math. No, no, no. no. It's, a, it's a different progressive rate because it's 45 then 35 then 30. So that actually makes sense. <laughs> but it doesn't. Because like, you just said the other one is progressive at the same rate. No, I'm saying they're they're not the other one's progressive, not necessarily at the same rate. Oh, because apparently it goes nineteen because it goes nineteen fifty seventeen fifty fifteen, which makes no sense right. at all. Because if the last one was fifteen fifty, that would make sense. But for some reason, they're kicking off that extra fifty cents on that third one just because they care. I hate this. <laughs> so let's let's talk about the DVD box because I'm the one that gets a DVD. You're the one that gets a yep. Digital. And you can license this DVD for classrooms if that's no, a thing. I guess. Anyway, <laughs> so Huffington Post has to say on the DVD cover an extraordinary portrait of someone thinking and a president at that. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> that might very well. B. <laughs> An extraordinary portrait of someone thinking. And a president at that. That is the best quote ever. And then New York Magazine's right underneath in all caps. Fascinating. <laughs> See, I hate that because it could say it was fascinating how bad it was. And then back the LA Times masterfully assembled. And below that, below that, we have a quote. Virtual JFK is not merely a film, but a critical handbook for current and aspiring world leaders, says Sergei Khrushchev. Oh, no. Son of former Soviet premier oh, Nikita yes. Khrushchev. <laughs> and historian biographer of Brown University. He works at Brown. I love it. I love it. And, 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 this got an award. This got the obligatory random award. Official selection at Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> um, best, it won that. Best international feature documentary nominated special jury prize at Hot Docs. Nice. I like another quote on their website. We should welcome anything that reacquaints us with the facts. And virtual JFK is an admirably concrete <laughs> survey of how Kennedy dealt with a series of international crises. J.R. Jones, the Chicago reader. Admirably concrete. Admirably concrete. That reacquaints us with the facts. <laughs> This movie literally calls itself fake news in its title. But, I mean, it, it does recount all the building blocks. Into oh, it's, like, oh, yeah. It's, it's, it, is, it is, I guess, admirably, admirably concrete. It just misses the entire point of its, of its own point. It's, it's fake news, but it's not fake news. If only it come out in 2017, it'd be way more fake news. It'd be way more. Do you, th- do you, think, do you think Trump would tweet about it? He'd probably believe it. <laughs> oh, Kennedy lived after all? Oh, wow. Pew, pew. I'm gonna start putting in like little gunshots. Oh, not oh, not on this episode. That wouldn't be tasteful. <laughs> that wouldn't be tasteful. <laughs> oh God! Uh, an extraordinary portrait of someone thinking and a president at that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> who at who at HuffPo was so great to write that? Jeremy, no last name. Oh, oh, I have it listed here. 
I can get it because it's on the uh, website. Norman McAfee. Did he make McAfee? Oh, I hope. Was is it McAfee or McAfee? I think it's McAfee. Here, I'm gonna read his his Cathy. page. I'm gonna read his. <clears throat> oh my gosh, yes. Mm-hmm. His book that he wrote is the Gospel According to RFK. Ooh, he's a Bobby fan. He's a Bobby fan. It's okay. I'm kind of a Bobby fan. I mean, you know, this I'll is all that. prescient because Chris Kennedy, Bobby's son, is running for governor of Illinois right now. That's true. He is. Um, wow, this guy is really confusing. Okay. He has, he has written such recent articles as The Presidency of Al Gore, 2001 to 2009. So, another alternate history. Apparently. Uh, an article just quoting... Uh, an, an article that just says it's an exciting time to be alive that has a grammatical error in the title because it's not capitalized properly, but that's okay. Um, is that BuzzFeed or Huffington Post? This is Huffington Post. This is definitely Huffington Post. That was a DVD. Sorry, everyone. Damn it, Dominic. Now we have to end the whole show. <laughs> and he also wrote a book of poems. Interesting. Okay. So. Wait, 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 wait back up. Back up. Okay. Back up. <laughs> there's someone who quoted... There's He has a quote on his biography page okay. of someone else talking about him. Okay. Which makes no sense for a biography page. Okay. This is Bob Holman. I have no idea who that is. Look him up. Like history where dates are midnight assignments. Like sexual encounters that bristle with political implications. One class. Those are his poems. Rep, uh, presents a unified social theory of life and art and politics, and love, and aesthetics, that's a lot of ands, that is fearless and human. When Salman Rushdie forked over his five bucks to buy McAfee's chapbook, The Coming of Fascism to America, I don't know where this is going, at the Poetry <laughs> poetry Bowl, <laughs> the Poetry Poetry Bowl? <laughs> I saw on his face the same look when I read this book. It's real, it's unwavering, it's art in the classical sense that gets dirty as life is in this horrific triumph of capitalism. Somehow McAfee tells the truth and doesn't leave you hopeless. Somehow McAfee gets it right. I would put that on my bio page if someone wrote that about me, actually. If someone compared my writing to a sexual encounter that bristles with political implications. (laughs) So, John Kennedy and Marilyn Monroe. Nice. Okay, where else are we going with this? It's a bad so, movie. So, on the, also on the cover, it talks about how it's from the producer of 13 Days, a film by Koji Masutani. Okay. Can you look up, can you look up Koji Masutani and see if he did produce 13 Days, if that's the guy, or if he did anything else? Sure, how do you spell? <laughs> this is such great podcasting. K-O-G-I, no, K-O-J-I, I'm so sorry. K-O-J-I space M-A-S-U-T-A-N-I. Quality podcasting. Look at us go. That was a good song there. I think the viewers, the listeners expect this. Oh, they've totally left by now. Uh, it's just me and you now. See, I've, I've, I've seen shows. I've just heard me, shows. you and Dupree. I've heard shows where they, where they always do this, and then it turns out that this is what the audience likes. <laughs> uh, he, the, the only thing he's ever made is virtual JFK. And has he produced anything? Uh, no. In fact, the numbers are wrong because... Oh wait, no, they're not wrong. Uh, he produced a, he produced one movie called "Were We Lucky?" Were we? An accident occurred in North Carolina in 1961. A B-52 carrying two Mark 39 nuclear bombs uh, dropped and opened in midair, dropping its nuclear payload in the process. 
The two 3.4 megaton nuclear bombs separated from the gyrating aircraft as it broke up between 10,000 and 2,000 feet. One of the bombs activated, causing it to execute many of the steps needed to arm itself, such as a charging, the firing capacitors, and critically deployment... Critically deployment? That's not correct. Of a 100... This guy is not a good writer. Of a 100-foot diameter uh, retard parachute. The bomb that descended by parachute was found intact and standing upright as a result of its parachute. Yeah, no shit. Um, according to the bomb disposal expert responsible for disarming the device, the arm safe switch was still in the safe position, though it had completed the rest of the arming sequence. The Pentagon claimed at the time that there was no chance of an explosion, that the two arming mechanisms had not activated in 2013. Information released as a FOIA request confirmed a single switch prevented detonation and that was written by him it actually says that he went into he went into imdb and edited his own synopsis wow and i'm still not clear what this movie's about okay so i are you i did see in uh in the uh cnn cold war documentary series which i have on vhs of course where they talk about this incident in which this actually did happen that there was like bombs that just fell off the plane on the north carolina coast and then it like poisoned the sand and the people that were there like, this bud, this movie was made like the movie that he produced had a budget of five thousand dollars. Is there like a poster or anything? Is it just like a blank thing? It's a blank thing. It's probably not gone anywhere. It's probably not even made. <laughs> it's, it's probably just sitting on a shelf, you know, just like no one wants to look at it. No one wants to look at it. He wakes up every morning, watches it. He watches it every morning because you know there's there's always those things that like these directors and writers and producers have where it's just like you see it on their IMDb. And it's just blank, but there's a title. Like, oh, yeah, they did this work on this thing, but no one's ever seen it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so <laughs> Virtual JFK. Uh, this is... Oh, by the way, one more thing I want to mention. It's virtually... They have also created... Oh, my... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Dom. This is quality. I have something really groundbreaking to bring to the table. Okay. <laughs> They have a YouTube series called B. Kennedy. Virtually anim- B. Kennedy? Yes, it's an animated series where you essentially get to play as John F. Kennedy, which makes no sense. Not a game. Not really a game. More of like a choose-your-own-adventure. Choose do you go to Vietnam or do you not? Press A, press B. <laughs> Open the door to the left or the right. I wish it was just a text adventure. I, I digress. Producer and creator, Koji Masutani. Producers, Janet M. Lang. James oh. G. Blight. Guess which one of them has a lowercase first name? Janet? Janet. Again? They did it again. Why not, why not David Welch? They did it again. There's, David- no, there's no David Welch, but there is a James G. Blight, and his name was capitalized. Is James- it like a stylistic thing? Do you think she like... I, I thought that at first, but everywhere else in the movie, it's corrected with the capital J. Yeah, she's not. I just found her online, and her name is capitalized. She's not Bell Hooks. Like- yeah, she's a research professor at Brown University. She just happens to be really unlucky with getting her name spelled right. Did they just, like, copy and paste her name from, like, the editing program that they made the movie in? And then they're like, oh, maybe we should probably not capitalize that. Yeah, it's fine. Just, just ship it. <laughs> we hate you, Janet. No, uh, I, we love you, Janet. I'm sure you're nice. Can we reach out to her? Like, do you can think we? she still works there? Yeah, did get, email her. All right, Janet M. Lang. Uh, here, let's see if we can find her. Also, can we just talk about uh, just how oh, she's old? Oh my gosh! What are they? Uh, are they? Are they? Are they sexual? What? 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 Are they sexual together, what? Dom? What? Look, they're together. Is it James Blade? Yeah, Lang. 
James Blight and Janet Lang. Their biography photo is together. Interesting. They met in grad school in the early 1970s. Grad um, school. Oh, my God. Dominic. What? We broke new ground. What? No, that is not a typo in the first line of the previous paragraph. Janet does, in fact, spell her name with a lowercase j. Always, what? unless she is coerced in legal or other documents to relent to use the uppercase j. This practice derives from Janet and Jim's early days teaching psychology together. Often the classes were large, one to two hundred students generally. Uh, they were idealists, too young to know better, and fools... A fool enough to try to get their students to write decent essays, no true-false questions, no multiple-choice computer-graded exams. With so many students, they split the reading, with each reading roughly half of the essay's exams, but a way they found to determine who had read the exam, Janet or Jim. They developed a rule. One, they would identify their... Uh, that's weird. Why is there a footnote on this? I digress. Um, <laughs> there's no footnote at the bottom, so why is there a footnote in this? They would identify themselves on the exams with a big J for Jim and a little J for Janet. Huh. Wow. So she is Bell Hooks. Wait, what? Bell Hooks. Always spells her name with lowercase letters. Oh, okay. But both, both, both the Bell and Hooks, but not just Bell. This, uh, this confuses me. <laughs> This really confuses me. Why would you keep that going throughout your entire life? Why would you be so dedicated to an organizational system? Because it's fun. It's an organizational system. It's fun. (laughs) Why would you do that? Have fun in your life, Unless you're you're coerced by legal? You already hate Spirited Away. We know you don't have fun. We know you don't believe in fun. (laughs) Can we also talk about real quickly how the music in this movie Oh, my God. She comes on podcasts. The Transmedia Project is anchored by Jim and Janet's book, The Armageddon Letters, but goes far beyond printed word in podcasts and blogs. Do do they have? Can to, we get them on this show? Do they have to? Um, but I don't. But here's the thing: in order to get them on this show, they'd have to listen to the episode of which we talked about. Them, which that's, we just shitted on their that, movie. That's, her name. that's what I was about to ask you. Do they have to listen to it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Maybe that's maybe that's not. Gonna you, you can still ask. You know, it's you can always just ask. Okay. <laughs> is there anything else you want to say about this movie before I we really this down? I really want to talk about how the music in this movie is way too much. Yeah. Like, it just, it just keeps building and building and building to, like, points that are not that dramatic. Yeah. That's really all I want to say about that. It's, just, <laughs> it's like, it's, the bystander theory didn't have great music, and this doesn't have great music either. What are we watching next week, Dom? We're watching, we're watching a movie you like, Brett. Yes. Dave! Oh my gosh, yes. The American President movie that is not about a president. Who's in Dave? Is it Kevin Klein and Sigourney Weaver? It's Kevin Klein and Sigourney Weaver. Oh, that Two seems... Kevin Kleins. That, honestly, that's a, that's good casting. I can already tell. It is a phenomenal movie. Sigourney Weaver is probably a really good political actor. You know, and like, here's the thing. The movie, like, here's the best part about the movie, and we'll talk about this ne- on next episode. I haven't seen it, so I'm excited. That it's a poli- it, like, it knows it's a political movie, but completely rejects the idea of doing anything political with the movie he literally go and this is early in the movie he literally goes into a scene and does like basic math to try to fix a national debt i love it it's beautiful <laughs> all right everybody you can follow us online of course we are silver screens and politics and you can email us silver screens and politics at gmail.com that's gonna do it for myself and for dominic we'll be back again on our next episode with dave catch us on twitter at some time 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm at uh, at D-A-C-I-C-H-O-C-K-I. And I'm at at Rivers Rubin. That'll be in the show notes. At at. At at. You know at at? Okay, do you know at Star Wars it's called an at at, not an at at Yes. You knew this? Yes. I just learned this the other day. Yeah, I don't know. Who would call it an at at? Because it's A-T-A-T. Yeah, but why would you say at at? Because it's simpler. Otherwise, I'm just cut the otherwise, otherwise, it's going to be like AT&T, and it's too confusing. But this was 1970. AT&T was the second largest, like... They were second, singular before that, though. Right, but they had, like, the second largest employment rate besides the government at that time. Not in the late 70s. Yes, they They were. became singular in the early 2000s. No, they, they were not. I mean, they were already singular.